Hello and welcome to Ophthalmocast, the audio podcast channel dedicated to ophthalmology. We are a team at Ophthalmocast who strive to provide you audio talks on ophthalmology which are more practical and easily understandable, targeted at students and residents alike. These audios are in no way a replacement to your standard textbook. We strive to be factually correct, but to err is human. Keep us posted if you disagree with anything that has been said in these recordings. We would be happy to make amendments with due credits. We now continue our series on dyes in ophthalmology. In our previous episode, we covered fluorescein briefly. After fluorescein, we would be covering indocyanin green, also known as ICG. We would also try to throw a shade of blue with tripane blue. ICG was developed in the Second World War as a dye in photography. It made its debut in Hollywood. ICG was used as the cyan-forming dye in Technicolor films. So far as I know, it may still play that role. ICG made its debut in medicine in 1950s. It happened that Dr. Irvin Fox of Mayo Clinic had a satisfied patient who happened to be an executive of the famous Kodak Film Company. They had talks and Dr. Fox expressed his desire for a biodegradable harmless dye. What welcomed him soon was an array of biocompatible dyes sent from Eastman Kodak Laboratories. Included among them was ICG. That's how the medicinal use of ICG came about. After being granted FDA approval in 1959, ICG was initially used primarily in hepatic function diagnostics and later in cardiology. ICG took a gradual drift into the field of ophthalmology. The first attempt at using ICG for angiography was made by Kagyo and co-workers in 1970 working with Dr. Noble David. Their attempts failed and they were forced to conclude the method clinically non-feasible. ICG remained in the cold storage till 1971 when Bernie Herkimer demonstrated a simplified method in cats. The illumination now used was narrow band of near infrared wavelength and used black and white films. He also formulated the method to image ICG through regular fundus camera by the use of filters. This led to the comeback of ICG for human use. The first commercial ICG fundus camera came out in the year 1980 manufactured by Topcon. Today, ICGA is performed principally using an electronic digital imaging system instead of a scanning laser ophthalmoscope. The current digital systems include a fundus camera networked to a source of infrared radiation, a monitor, a computer with imaging software, a barrier, and excitatory filters with infrared coatings. Now let's come to some chemistry. Indocyanin green, as the name spells, belongs to the cyanin group of dyes and it is green colored. It is both alcohol soluble and water soluble, called amphiphilic. The lyophilized form of ICG achieves solubility and safety for human use due to this dipolar ion and the supplied aqueous solvent. This reconstituted state of usable ICG is stable for 10 hours. 
It binds to both cellular and acellular structures. It is commonly thought that iodine is a major constituent of ICG, whereas sodium iodide comprises only 5% of the compound. Generally, 40 mg in 2 ml of aqueous solvent is used for injection. Though it is important to note that dosage in humans should not exceed 5 mg per kg due to toxicities. Further, there are studies which say that pushing 5 ml saline with the dye when injecting in the arms gives better results in angiography. The body handles ICG well, apart from occasional allergic reactions due to iodine. The compound as such is degraded by the liver and excreted in bile. But the sodium iodide part is excreted by the kidneys. This gives an important thing to alert your patient. After injecting the dye, their stools will be dark colored. Due to the iodine part of the dye, there might be allergic reactions ranging from lightheadedness to circulatory collapse. If extravasation occurs, localized pain may ensue. Despite the fact that ICG has a lower pH than sodium fluorescein, tissue necrosis as a result of extravasation has only been reported with the use of fluorescein sodium. Now, coming to the optics and physics part. Maximum light absorption of ICG is at 775 nanometers, giving its natural color. The dye exhibits the property of fluorescence at the wavelength of 805 nanometers. That means it absorbs 805 nanometers and emits 835 nanometers light rays. As described in our previous episode, the ICG absorbs one wavelength and emits another. Fluorescence of ICG is only 4% when compared to fluorescein being 100%. Simply put, for the same quantity of light, ICG will give only a very dimly lit fluorescence while fluorescein will emit a very bright fluorescence. Now the question stands, why to go after ICG at all if we have fluorescein? The answer lies in the wavelength of fluorescence of ICG. Fluorescein works in the visible spectrum and the absorption and emission wavelength of fluorescein is blocked by the retinal pigment epithelium. Fluorescein-laden blood is present in choroidal vessels as well as the retinal vessels. But with the retinal pigment epithelium blocking the light emitted from the choroid, we are not able to visualize the choroidal blood vessels clearly. Now come to ICG. The absorption and emission spectrum of ICG is in the infrared region and retinal pigment epithelium is not so good at blocking infrared radiations. We utilize this property and set up cameras and light sources which can give us these frequencies and capture them. That was the first task at hand. The infrared capture equipment. One more thing that we find prudent to mention is that the choroidal blood flow is very fast. It's a dense network, a madhouse of blood vessels. So the dye is out even before you think it got there. Hence, the imaging system should be able to slow down things a bit. Just for the sake of history, the initial cameras could take only a shot or two during the ICG angiography. Then came the video camera for the ICG angiography. 
The procedure took a giant leap with the advent of scanning electron microscopy with very fast frame rate and capture speed. But an even higher improvement are the CCD cameras that we use today regularly. When we come to the choroidal vessels, there are no very strict and tight blood vessels. So, extravasation is easier when compared to retinal vessels with their podocytes and the likes. With a relatively more leaky vessel, we need a large molecule dye and more protein-bound dye so that it remains in the vascular compartment except in situations of breach in the vessel integrity. To summarize, what makes ICG an ideal dye for choroidal imaging are its spectrum of fluorescence, protein binding and its molecular size. The procedure to conduct ICG angiography is similar to that of fluorescein angiography. I would recommend you go through our previous episode for that. Few modifications needed will be the excitation and barrier filter wavelengths, the shutter speed or frame rate of the camera, and absence of preview. Further, be sure to do a skin test for hypersensitivity like you do for penicillin before using ICG. Few practitioners also recommend pushing 5 ml saline behind the dye to prevent quenching which will lead to the fluorescence to cease and give the maximum brightness for the images. But beware, do not dilute the dye in saline. It might lead to the precipitation of the dye. Apart from angiography, ICG has other uses as well. It can be used as a dye to stain the donor corneal stroma in deep lamellar endothelial keratoplasty. This enhances the visualization of the tissue interface, helps you identify the host and donor. ICG was also used for staining the anterior capsule in cataract surgery, but it was later abandoned after reports of local toxicity to anterior segment structures. ICG-guided internal limiting membrane ILM peeling has many takers. It gives a better visualization of the ILM in vitro retinal surgeries. However, toxicity to the retina has to be taken care of. Although the mechanism of toxicity to the retina is unclear, it is postulated that the dye migrates to the subretinal space, leading to histological changes in Mueller cells and RPE cells. A sister concerned of ICG is IFCG, which stands for Infracinin Green. Infracinin Green is a green dye with the same chemical formula as ICG and also similar pharmacologic properties as ICG. IFCG possesses two differences in its properties when compared to ICG. Firstly, IFCG does not contain any sodium iodide. Secondly, the iodine-free IFCG binds with high affinity to the acellular ILM, but not to the epiretinal membranes. Several clinical investigations have shown positive results with IFCG application with little or no retinal toxicity. We till now spoke about the greens. Let's now drift into the blues. For today, we take Tripane Blue. Tripane Blue has been around in labs since a long time. It is a dye which is typically used for vitality studies due to its ability to distinguish dead from the living tissue. 
Tripane blue is a bulky molecule. It belongs to the azudize and is a highly hydrophilic tetrasulfonated anionic azodye. Being involved in different specialities, the dye has many synonyms like direct blue, diamine blue and nigra blue. The dye typically stains the nuclei of damaged and dead endothelial cells in donor corneas as well as areas of decimate membrane DM denuded of the endothelial cells. Tripane blue has been widely used in both vitrectomy and cataract surgery. When it comes to cataract surgery, tripane blue is used as a concentration of 0.06%. Additionally, we need to introduce an air bubble into the anterior chamber before letting the dye loose. This is to prevent staining of the corneal stroma, which will take months to resolve. We don't want many blue-eyed patients. There is a question frequently asked by many senior teachers during exams. How long do you leave the dye in the anterior chamber to stain the lens capsule? The answer is 10 to 15 seconds. This is the time required for staining the anterior capsule. Coming to vitreoretinal surgeries. Tripane blue is used in concentrations of 0.15%. It comes in solutions containing sodium salts. These low doses of tripane blue used for cataract or vitreoretinal surgery do not produce inflammation, corneal toxicity or retinal toxicity when injected into the anterior or posterior chamber. A new use of tripane blue is the visibility of edges of ruptures in the surgery of regmatogenous retinal detachment. A dye similar to tripane blue is Janus Green. Janus Green is also an azo dye. It is also known as diazine green. The most important biological application is histologically to stain mitochondria in living cells. It binds to the disrupted cellular membrane and can be used in cornea to assess corneal endothelial cell viability following a toxic insult. Also, Janus Green changes color according to the amount of oxygen present. So, we come to the end of today's episode. We managed to cover three more dyes in Dye the Eye Part 2. Hope you all have enjoyed this episode. That's all for now, ladies and gentlemen. It's Team Off The Cast signing off. Do keep us updated on our email offthecast at the rate gmail.com or on our website www.offthecast.com with your comments, feedbacks and demands. Subscribe to us on all leading podcast players by searching for Off The Cast. Thank you for being with us and giving us your valuable time. Goodbye and Godspeed.